and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and who are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Terry. I just got news that I lost a friend today to cancer. And that reminds me that this is our life. You know, this is it. And the more honest and the more empowered that we can be, the more real that we can be, perhaps that's a better lived life. And Patrick Corrigan, who we're going to hear from today, is living his life with honesty and vulnerability and helping to fight stigma. And I'm just sort of at this moment with a sad heart, overwhelmed by the truth that what do we got to hide? This is who we are. This is what we're dealing with. And not everybody should tell everyone. But I don't know. I'm just feeling a huge commitment to um, letting people know who I am and what I struggle with and what that's like. And that that's only a part of who I am. And I think Patrick's a great um, person out in the world trying to make that happen as we are on our podcast. So let's hear what Patrick has to say. Patrick Corgan, a licensed psychologist in Chicago, leads the National Consortium on Stigma and Empowerment, or NCSE, a research center that for years has looked at the stigma of mental illness. It's a heavy-hitting group with other researchers from Yale, UPenn, Rutgers, Temple University, the University of Wisconsin, Illinois State University, and the University of Chicago. So we were delighted when Dr. Corgan agreed to share some of his findings and very informed perspectives with us. He said the team's research began with what he calls the naive belief that the way to fight stigma is to educate everyone that mental illness is a brain disease. And actually, the research pretty clearly says that makes stigma worse. Education really doesn't work, which is a big shock. That's uh, not just a cranky old professor saying it. It's really based (laughs) on meta-analyses and a lot of other studies. Um, What really leads to changing is face-to-face human interactions between people who are struggle with a condition and everybody else who, for, for lack of a better word, we'll call the public. Specifically, interactions which communicate recovery, not just illness or struggles. You like to talk about on the way down story. So that is the challenges the person had with serious mental illness. Um, and on the way up stories, which is despite those challenges people recover they should have goals they can achieve they should be hopeful and that's what the combining leads to the best message corrigan has freely shared his own story in conferences and classes around the world as well as in the book coming out proud to erase the stigma of mental illness a collection of stories and essays aimed at replacing shame with a sense of authority and empowerment and I just want to be able to share a part of who I am. I don't, I don't particularly want people to know so you can pity me or tell me how to get better. I just want people to know who the full Pat is. And so I've been hospitalized. Um, I took my meds this morning. I've struggled with alternately diagnosed with anxiety disorder, major depression, bipolar disorder. Um, it's had a pretty 
big challenge for me, but despite that, I'm able to get by and do okay in life. <laughs> and that's sort of that way down, way up story. I So I go around the world presenting this program, and what I'm constantly amazed at is the number of people in the audience who say, I'm just sick and tired of having to keep it a secret. It's who I am, you know. I'm not bad, I'm not dirty, I didn't choose this. And so I think for a lot of people, the benefits of coming out is just being able to be authentic. For other ones, one of the other big ones for me personally is, you know, if I'm in a room with 100 people, 100 coworkers, statistically 20 of them have a serious mental illness, and yet I feel all alone. Exactly. I don't know who they are. And so if you take a risk and come out, perhaps two or three or four of those other 20 people will say, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. That characterization of being authentic really resonated with us. Think how different that feels from exposing yourself or shaming your family or some of the other ways being public about your mental health issues gets portrayed. Um, I think stories, I think coming out does two things. One is um, the degree to which people consider for themselves whether they should be out uh, and tell their stories hugely tears down the shame people have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the other thing is, and therefore the more people that are out, um, the more public statement will go away. A comparison that I'm somewhat comfortable making is looking at how we've changed stigma in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. It's not because um, my children learn in health class that it's all genetic and hormonal and not having anything to do with choice. It's because by the time they got the health class, they knew they had a gay uncle, actually two gay uncles, um, gay minister, gay friends. Um, it's the fact that people came out. And I think it's the same thing with mental illness. But don't make the mistake of thinking Dr. Corrigan thinks it's a good or even safe idea for all of us to run out and tell our stories to anyone who listen. So how much of a risk is there in what we're doing and, and what we are both suggesting for at least people for whom it feels safe to do, which is sharing their story? Um, Huge, but worth it. Um, There are a lot of pros and cons, which you and I could probably identify and agree to. Um, But at the end of the day, it's the person making the decision who needs to weigh them for her or himself. Also, um, that decision's fluid. I mean, partly it changes depending on whether you're talking about coming out work versus your extended family versus mm-hmm. your child's play group. Right. Um, and it also changes over time. But it's an interesting thing because I, I don't know. Uh, I'm choosing to do it to begin the dialogue in the hopes of, like you, reducing stigma and increasing understanding. But I don't know that there's a huge benefit to me personally to putting my dirty laundry out there for people. Well, again, I think part of the thing is the story's not all dirty. That is a good point. I mean, there's a lot to my mental health struggles that have given me a different, perhaps more broader understanding of the world. I'm probably more likely to be empathic than your average male. I understand hardiness as a result. I understand empowerment as a result. So I think one of the things we try to encourage people, again, is it's not all just an issue of on the way down. It's definitely an issue of on the way up and forming a full person as a result. Very good answer and very good point. Resiliency is a huge, you know, uh, side effect or benefit of it. 
Another point we found fascinating is one Corrigan's making in a book he's just finishing up about the incorrect ways of dealing with the stigma of mental illness. Rather than categorizing it as a public health issue like we so often see, he sees it as a social justice issue that needs to be fought like one. For any other kind of ism, racism, homophobia, sexism, people that are harmed by the stigma are the ones that are leading the charge. And the problem with mental illness stigma is a lot of times it's been led by either good intended family members or professionals, not the people with mental illness themselves. So I think firstly, like any kind of empowering effort, which is what anti-stigma effort is, it's people with lived experience need to do it. And since that's us, I asked what we can do to bring about actual change. So for our listeners, is there a step or a couple of steps that we can take to help actually reduce stigma? Is it saying go out and talk to people if that feels safe? Is it, you know, speak your truth, share your story, or is it share our story if it doesn't feel safe to share yours? What What's the message to our listeners in terms of being part of this person-to-person movement to reduce and eliminate stigma? I think you're either a person with the condition, in which case you should be taking the lead, and the lead is telling you a story of recovery, or you're an ally, somebody who stands behind, stands with a person with the condition and says, I accept you, I respect you, I'm with you as you are. Um, I also think that for your listeners, coming out is not a light thing to do. It has lots of risks. Um, A Supreme Court judge once said it's hard to stop the clanging bell. Once you're out, it's very hard to go back. And so I would not say to people lightly, you know, tomorrow I'll go to work and let everybody at work know. Um, but if you've thought about it, consider the pros and cons, learned relatively safe ways to come out and decide to do it. The more you do it, the less shame you're going to feel and the more the rest of the world's going to figure out that people with mental illness are, are, are as competent, able, um, empowered as everybody else. Man, when he says, I'm sick and tired of keeping this secret, you know, that's a, that's a choice that mm-hmm. takes a lot of energy and adds to the shame. And I just so agree with what Patrick just said about coming out is, you know, not appropriate in every situation. We have to say that. Certainly. But the more you say it, the more even even in your head. I mean, right. I'm amazed. I went from nobody knowing. Both nobody of us. Knowing. Both of us. I know our own family. Yep, Exactly. To, you know, it's like now it's sort of a story. It's not a story in my past. It's still part of my reality. I don't mean a story in a trite way, but man, he's right. The more you say it, the more the shame goes down and the more it just becomes, you know, another aspect of who you are. I'll be interested to know the next time, you know, it, it, it descends on me if it has less power, if I have actually disempowered it by some by talking, because I really haven't had, a, you know, any big episodes since we started the podcast. Right. Well, I think the more we develop, here I am again talking about the voices in our head. Um, I think the more we... Tapes. (laughs) Tapes, okay. The more we develop, um, you know, some strength and some vocabulary and some energy and some, even just from a brain perspective, some repetition, Mm -hmm. you know, on giving that part of me, that part of us, that part of a whole lot of people, I I just have to believe that that helps kind of counteract the other tapes, um, you know, when we're feeling bad. I hope so. So maybe we're giving voice to depression and disempowering the voice of depression. Interestingly enough, by giving it a voice. Interestingly enough, yeah. 
And I love that, that, that relationship of as the shame goes down, the hope goes up. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, uh, feelings and, uh, I am sorry for your loss and, and really glad that you were still able to, uh, get to your car while you're at a conference and, uh, and record this with me today. So thank you. I appreciate you. Absolutely. I love you to pieces, Terry. Bye. <laughs> Bye. We hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.